Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1710. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Dexter, Michigan, with a very special guest by the name of Sharon Silk Cardi. Sharon, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. All right, we're going to have some fun. Now, before I give you a proper introduction, I would love for you to tell my listeners one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you. Ooh. um, I caught you, didn't I? Yeah, you did. (laughs) I don't really know. I'm kind of a bit of an open book. Well, I, yeah, one thing most people don't know about me is that uh, I thought I considered leaving journalism in uh, 1999 and got a job as a, um, a counterintelligence agent with the FBI. What? Yeah. Oh, my yep. gosh. Well, that's kind of cool. Holy cow. <laughs> it was kind of cool. It, it kind of it fell apart. Um, I went through the background check process. The background check process took nine months. And then they asked me if I would start the following week. Um, apparently, they did, had not picked up on my background check that I had gotten pregnant at the beginning of it. So I asked for a little bit of time to have a baby and take some maternity leave. And then and then they backed out. Oh, so. my gosh. Wow. That close to be working in the working with the FBI, but wow! Well, that would have been a very different kind of career path, wouldn't it have? Oh my gosh! Well, I wonder how many people listening don't know that about you. Well, that's why I asked that question. You know, it always brings some very interesting answers. Oh my goodness! Well, you look. All of us auto enthusiasts are glad you took a different path, a different roadway, I should say. So uh, let me give you a proper introduction, and we're going to dive into your life here. Sharon Silkardi is the editor in chief at Hearst Auto's Car and Driver, where she oversees the brand's print and digital operations. Previously, she was a senior editor at Automotive News, and before that, editor-in-chief of Yahoo Autos, and before that, she was editor-in-chief of Autoblog, AOL Autos, and further back, Sharon was the Detroit Bureau Chief for USA Today, where she covered the automotive industry and wrote for the paper's Drive On blog. And somewhere in there, she might have been an FBI agent. So that's kind of cool. Her enthusiasm <laughs> for automobiles runs along and deep, as you can tell. Hearst Auto's brand includes Car and Driver, Road and Track, Canadian Black Book, Auto Week, and Road and Track Crew, a subscription box for car-loving kids. And of course, this year we know Hearst also includes Bring a Trailer, my good friend Randy Nonenberg. So they are an expanding entity, that's for sure. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with Sharon, but first a word from our very value sponsors please give them a listen we'll be right back watch out we almost had an fbi agent on today the best way to protect your vehicles is with a quality made custom fit car cover made by covercraft it's the best way to preserve your vehicle along with the meanings memories and experiences that they give us I've been protecting my vehicles with Covercraft since 1975. That's right. You'll find a multitude of options depending upon your individual needs. Indoor covers, including form fit, fleece satin, and their unique view shield. Need a cover that will protect your ride outside? Their quality options include Weather Shield, Weather Shield HD, Weather Shield HP, Sumbrella, Reflect, Carhartt, Evolution, and NOAA. Covers for cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, and watercraft are all available. Whether you're looking for rain protection, UV shielding from the sun's damaging rays, breathability, dust protection, snow protection, ding protection, and protection from those paint-destroying bird droppings. 
Live in a windy area? Covercraft Gust Guards are a must-have option. Worried about theft? They also offer cable locks and built-in grommets that keep your cover safely on your vehicle. Their website makes ordering fast and easy, and their talented customer service department will walk you through any of the questions you might have. They can customize a cover for almost any vehicle. And I've got a deal for you. Use the code YEAH120 at Covercraft.com, and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code yeah, Y-E-A-H-120 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. American Collectors Insurance, that's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. Yeah, the one I call my orange crush. When it came time to renew my policy, my carrier jacked my rates up, even though I'd been with them for years. I'd never made a claim. No tickets, nothing. What's with that? Adios. So I started shopping around and kept hearing about American Collectors Insurance from fellow automotive enthusiasts, friends, and folks in the car industry. I did some investigating and learned that American Collectors Insurance have been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I'm not a price shopper when it comes to insurance. I want to be able to sleep at night. I also want agreed value protection for my special ride. With an agreed valued policy from American Collectors Insurance, I'll be paid what my vehicle's full agreed value is. A number I set with the insurer at the start of the policy so I know there will be no surprises about what my car's value is, should something terrible happen. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call for a quote today at 866-ACI-YEAH, that's 866-224-9324, and protect the ones you love. Make sure you tell them Mark sent you. You'll be glad you did. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. As we continue on your journey, Sharon, I'd love for you to share a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a really nice way to get the inspirational tire smoking a little bit here on Cars. Yeah, something I'm sure you've done plenty of. So, Sharon, take the wheel. Thanks. You shared this question ahead of time, and so I've kind of been trying to think of one thing that that go, that I turn back to a lot. And I have to say, there's just one quote that. I turn to a lot, which is just, you can do hard things. And it's the thing that I have to tell myself on and on again, like over and over again. I'm in an industry now that is facing just tremendous amount of change and upheaval. Like we're, we're facing change. A lot of my media competitors are facing change Mm -hmm. Um, and change is not easy, you know, and not everybody uh, embraces that to the, like everybody really likes the way it was. Mm-hmm. This is a very fun industry and nobody is really looking to really shake things up. And so a lot of that comes with doing hard things, having hard conversations. And, um, it's not something I would really rather do the fun part. <laughs> so I have to remind myself that I can do the hard things often. And not only can I do the hard things, but that the rest of the folks that I work with can do it too. And um, that we'll all be better off on the other end if we actually, you know, buckle down and, and start addressing some of these issues head on. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you gave me that segue because, boy, it is changing for sure. And especially the print media industry. A couple of weeks ago, I had on one of your colleagues, really, from Road and Track, Bob Saranich, who talked a lot about the major changes that they are doing there with that publication, a radical changes to a publication that has been around for decades and decades, just like Car and Driver. Let's dive into this a little bit because Car and Driver has been around for so long. It's a, a 
magazine that I started reading pretty much as a kid. My next door neighbor would toss out all of his car magazines and I'd scavenge them out of his garbage can and bring them over yeah. to my fort and read them. Been a long time subscriber. So let's talk about what's going on there. What has you excited about embracing this quote and mantra of change was because it is so important. I mentioned in the intro, I mean, even Hearst uh, purchasing Bring a Trailer. There's a major change with what they're doing and how things are happening. So let's talk a bit about what you see in the future for Car and Driver and what gets you excited and gets you up every morning to go to work and get to play with cars, as if I have to ask. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think there has been a long history in automotive media and sort of the automotive enthusiasm for a long time of being a bit of an insider's club, right? Like before you were able to speak with authority, you needed to know a whole bunch of things about whatever car you were passionate about, even cars you weren't passionate about. Like it's really easy to kind of put your foot in your mouth and not say the right things and kind of easily get dismissed as somebody who doesn't know what the heck they're talking about. And I think our approach, seeing that so much of that there is a waning enthusiasm for cars as much as we don't really like to admit that, that technology has kind of taken the place for a lot of young folks. Gaming is a huge thing for a lot of young folks. Seeing that, you know, that we're not necessarily replicating car enthusiasts at the same rate that we used to in the past. We have to lower that barrier and make it so that folks Anybody who has a passing interest can be welcomed into this club and that we can make them enthusiasts on the spot. Um, And I think that's really what we're trying to do at Car and Driver right now is, you know, like when we cover big news like this summer, we had the Bronco story that came out. We did, you know, we didn't just do like one big story on it. We did, I think, a series. I think we did totally like 26 stories. um, Right. Yeah. Amazing. Four days. And it started with like the first story we did is like, this is what the Bronco is and why should you be excited about it? And why are you going to hear all this stuff over the next couple of days that why is this going to be such a big deal? And then we proceeded with, you know, you could stop at that story and still go to work the next day or go to your Zoom call the next day and Mm -hmm. chat with somebody at work and be able to talk intelligently about it. Or you could stick with us through all 26, 28 stories and walk away as an actual expert. And so we're trying trying to take that approach of minting new enthusiasts as much as we can and sharing our passion and, and lowering that bar and making sure that anybody who wants to be in this club can join it. You know, I have a nephew who worked for 11 years with Volkswagen. He went to work three years ago with Tesla, and he's just blown away with the Tesla brand and the people and specifically the customers. He said at Volkswagen, when a car broke down, people would come in and they would be upset. At Tesla, they apologize that they have to bother you with the problems with the car. It's like <laughs> yeah. Apple product owners. I an, I drank the apple juice a long time ago when Steve Jobs yeah. brought out the SE. And he bought his wife a new three. And he said, you know, my wife could care less about cars. As long as they start, get her to work, she doesn't really care. She's like a 16-year-old high school girl again with her first car. She's like this whole new experience. And I think that's a little bit of what you're talking about here is how can we bring new people into the fold? I mean, those of us who are enthusiasts, we always will be. We may not have a lot of people in our family that are, but maybe a, a child we brought up who's become an enthusiast. So is that a little bit of what you're talking about is is seeing that there's new things to be embraced. And I'll also encourage you that I talk to five people a week. I mean, you're my 1710th guest. I talk to a lot of people and we talk about this concern that is there a 
going to be, are there going to be caretakers, especially for these older vehicles as they come through? And I have all the confidence in the world they are. I think there's just going to be a different use of them, maybe even like there is with the horse now. Horses went away a long time as transportation, but there there's more horses now than there probably were back then, but they're they're used in a different way. So is that a little bit of how you're describing this to me? Yeah. I mean, I think the Tesla example is a, is a really good one because I think <laughs> no good self-respecting car enthusiast is super enthusiastic about a Tesla, right? Like we can get at them and we can see the panel gaps and we can, you know, hear the rattles. And like, we know that this car is not the same. It's not up to snuff. It's not as good as the other stuff that we we've all driven before. It's not even as good as like the mass market electric cars that are out there. You know, we know that other Porsche can make better electric cars and BMW is making better cars. Like, you know, we know that this is happening and yet there's still all this enthusiasm around Tesla. Yes. I think you can look down your nose at that a little bit and be like, oh, well, they're just, you know, tech bros or whatever. But that level of enthusiasm is tapping into something. And if we ignore it and we don't try and figure out what that is, then I think that's too you know, the industry's peril. You can't ignore the sales. Uh, the Your your recent article or, or magazine edition I've got of Car and Driver is the November issue. And you talk about EVs in that issue. And you have a very interesting chart in there that yeah. shows Tesla three sales. And it goes across the whole page. I thought maybe when I turned the page, it would go to the next article. Yeah. It probably <laughs> yeah. could if you did the scaling right. But you're right. They've tapped into something. And I see all these journalists kind of picking on Tesla and poking at them and saying bad things about them. And I just go, but you can't deny what has happened, the sales, where they've come from, the fact that people are rabid. And this is a group of people that they're not going to be picky like a Porsche or a BMW driver. Like, that's what I drive. And I'm picky with my cars. But I, I shouldn't say it this way, the upper echelon. But as far as enthusiasts, I'm I'm way up there. I do, I'm very demanding. Uh, even Ferrari up until maybe 10 years ago weren't really very good car. Yeah. But the Mark has got rabid people. And a lot of people would love to have one that will never have one. So... I find this pretty intriguing in the fact that you're covering it. The other thing you touched on here, Sharon, was taking one item and not condensing it down like we used to have to in a magazine. But now you've got this other platform, digital, right. where you can expand. So can you talk expand your, to talk about that a little bit too? Yeah, I mean, it's really fascinating. Um, we actually learned this lesson from um, like the celebrity magazines and the, and, the, and the lifestyle magazines that are also at Hearst. They discovered just by covering something like, you know, the Game of Thrones finale or a royal wedding. When people are hot on a topic, they can't get enough and that they will continue reading like if you just put stuff there for them. And so we're like, well, let's try this with, you know, we, we tried it with the um, Corvette C8 launch last summer and... It worked. Like it was just, it worked. You know, it just, it was amazing. Like how much people were really just into these stories and they just couldn't get enough. Um, I mean, there's a time frame around it, right? It has to be when it's hot and it has to be, you know, when this is at the top of everybody's mind. It doesn't work. You can't recreate that moment too often. So like it might work at a launch, but it doesn't necessarily, it might work, you know, at the reveal, but it doesn't work then at the test drive stage or whatever. Like, you know, kind of have to find the right timing around it. But people really want to read a lot about the thing that is hot right now. We have the resources, the expertise and the history to really be able to be there for people right. when they're going to be there. We, it's, for us, it's just a matter of planning and realizing when these things are happening ahead of time so that we can get prepped and that we can like have everything that we need to have ready to go. Because that's not the kind of thing that you can just turn around, you know, with a six hour 
heads up. Like we really need a few few days, a few weeks to kind of get prepped for that. But we can do it, and um, it's it's fun. <laughs> like we just have fun with it. It's it, it almost doesn't feel like work, you know. Like <laughs> yeah, don't give away that secret to the bosses. <laughs> <laughs> But everybody's as excited as we are, right? Yeah, and so it's like yeah. that moment where, like, we're we're really excited about something. We're nerding out on something, and then like everybody in the public joins us for this nerd out moment, and it's just <laughs> it's great. I know, I love it. So looking ahead to twenty twenty one, and let's uh, let's all hope that it's a much more normal year than what this year has been about. Oh my gosh, what has you excited about Car and Driver? What are some of the things that maybe you can reveal to us? I know you can't tell us everything, but uh, what what have, have you, do you guys have planned for us enthusiasts to see coming out of uh, your wings in 2021? Well, we are deep in planning stages for 2021 right now. Planning is a little bit behind where it normally would be just given kind of coronavirus. Yeah. I would have liked to have had a lot of this sort of set a month ago. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we are going to be, you'll see from us, you'll see like we're going to do deeper dives into EVs. We are planning a special issue around EVs and hoping to do it in a very sort of car and driver way, you know, where we're taking things and having fun and putting them to challenges and, you know, making sure that we are testing them, but also also kind of goofing around with them as well. We also are going to be really focusing on the idea that everybody's kind of stuck at home or at least stuck in the U.S. right now and trying to celebrate American roads. Mm, um, I love that. Yeah, I love it. Really, you know, help get people out and just be like, you know, you don't have to be stuck at home. You can get in your car and here's some really gorgeous, beautiful places to go. Mm-hmm. So we really are going to try and help people get over this cabin fever that I think a lot of us are feeling. You um, think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, I wrote about that in my column. Uh, in you the did? Week. Yeah. You know, I love that. You talked about that way back, feeling a tightening of your chest and kind of oppressed and you just went out and you went out on a very bold ride with some little kids in the car too, right? I did. I did. I, I, so this is 2003 and I was sort of nearing the end of my second maternity leave with my second child and the weather was starting to turn in Michigan and I was just like oh I'm like I can't do another winter so I just I got in the car I was in this mom's group I got in the car and I drove out to the east coast to visit the moms from this mom's group and did I think I hit like eight states on the east on the east coast and then I Flew to the West Coast. I flew to Seattle and then visited a bunch of the moms along that group from and, and ended up leaving from Phoenix. At the time when I was planning it, it sounded like a great idea. Um, <laughs> well, you, just to make sure the listeners know, you didn't just do this by yourself. You did this with your kiddos, right? I did it with the kids. Yeah. So yeah. I brought my three-year-old and my then like three or four-month-old with me. Oh, and so, my gosh. That's, yeah. I don't know how you did yeah. that. That's crazy, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it took a it took a fair amount of planning. Um, I lucked out that I had some good places to land because I was visiting with other right. moms, oh, yeah, so yeah. they kind of got it. But yeah, no three year old really wants to be in a car for that long, and like the idea of a road trip. Now she's she's twenty now, yeah, so I think she different. would love a road trip. But yeah, that got a little hairy at times. But <laughs> it also made me sort of want to be home <laughs> and right, like yeah. not necessarily worry too much about the winter coming. I was totally fine with it by the time I got home. But it took it took about two and a half weeks of travel for me to kind of get over that. Get, to get over it. Well, you know it's good to do dust off the cobwebs and knock off the rust, as my mom used to say. Get outside, and knock off some rust. Go run around, right. go do something. You know, you're hitting a, a good target, I believe, because if you look at sales right now of travel trailers, motorhomes, vehicles. Mm-hmm. 
people want to go do things. I have friends that are now ordering Airstreams and travel trailers and motorhomes that never even went camping before. They just want to get out and go do things. Now, they're in the age bracket where they can afford to buy something cool. I've got one friend who bought a, he's ordering a special Airstream, bought a new Porsche Turbo Cayenne to tow it with. I've got another friend who's bought one of these custom-built camping sprinters, and then he's having a custom-made off-road 911 vintage rally car made to tow behind it. But these are crazy things that before I would have said, what are you doing? And now they're like, I need to get out. Yeah. You got some wealthy friends, man. Well, yeah, I hang out in good places, just like I'm with (laughs) you here today, Sharon. So what the heck, you know? But the point being, no matter what your budget, this is a country where, yes, you can get in your vehicle and go and drive. It's There's freedom here. That's what the vehicle is all about. You know, I always talk to my guests about a big challenge or even a big failure they face somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to share one with us. But more importantly, what was that lesson learned so that you could come out of it in a positive way? Other than getting pregnant and not making an end of the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't consider the getting pregnant part to be the failure. Definitely um, not. Maybe just actually, a challenge, especially on a road trip for the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, you know, I think I really lucked out with not getting into the FBI. I think this is this end of the this end of the world is a lot more fun than that end of the world would have been. But yeah, actually, I I I don't talk about this in public too too much, but. I'm starting to be a little bit more open about it. Um, I got sober in 2013. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Um, and so that was, I think, the biggest challenge I think I've ever faced. It was, um, you know, as somebody who's in the car industry, I think the potential for, um, I could have gotten, I could have hurt myself. I could have hurt somebody else behind yeah. the wheel of a car. And I, I was starting to realize that I was getting a little more, rather than just having like one or two glasses of something, I was drinking probably more than I should have and then and then driving. And that was yeah. really disturbing for me. Um, and also, you know, because I really, I just value my career so much. I didn't want ever want that to be a thing that I did. So yeah, so I got sober in 2013. And oh, gosh, awesome. the, I mean, the life lessons, we could talk about that for, I could probably talk your ear off for an hour. Well, but it really yeah. does sort of infuse, sorry, it does infuse like, my entire life now, you know, it's, it's the lessons that I've learned since getting sober are just the lessons that I use in managing teams of people and talking to people. And, you know, I have, I think I have a greater empathy for everyone in my life more so than I, than I did in the past. So it's the best thing I ever did. I'll tell you something, Sharon, thanks for sharing that. It's incredibly important because no doubt there are many listeners out there right now that are facing this challenge. So if you could give them one or two inspiring words of encouragement that not only is this important, but it's possible, what would they be? Just that it's honestly the best thing I ever did for myself. Mm. The best thing I ever did for myself. My end of the industry, I'm not sure about your end of the industry, we often mix alcohol with cars quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, you know, there's you'll do a day of driving and then you do a night of drinking. Um, and that is uh, fairly common. And it doesn't have to be, um, you know, right. you can be, you can be in this world and still have a really good time and not be drinking. And I think like that was one of my challenges when I was first thinking, considering getting sober is I was thinking like, well, you know, how do I take a trip to Italy and not drink the wine? You know, right. I had no plans to go to Italy. Uh-huh. Like, you yeah, know, but like you were thinking was, about it. But I was thinking about how do I go to these automotive events and like just be the only person not drinking? A, I and, and it turns out I'm not the only person in the industry not drinking. Um, by far, mm-hmm. there are, there are a few of us, more than a few of us. But also, it just it just has made everything 
better. Yeah. I just, I have more fun. I have better sleep. I feel better about myself. It's just win, win, win across. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, a huge congratulations for doing that. Uh, I've had friends that have gone through this. It is not easy. It's like quitting smoking Mm -hmm. or anything that uh, you're challenged with. It's not easy, but the fact that you did it, you're here, you're healthy, your family loves you more for it, I'm sure. And, uh, and you you love yourself more for it as well. Yeah, exactly. Which is the most important part of it. So, well, thank you for sharing that. Bravo. Very, very cool. Thank you. Well, let's take a short break. We come back. We're going to talk a little bit about this deep-seated passion you have for cars because obviously you're definitely a car gal. So keep your seatbelts on and we'll be right back. Let's take a pit stop from the conversation and talk about my charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through auto-related events, car shows, and drives. One of those nonprofits is very near and dear to my heart because it's right down the road from the Cars Yeah headquarters. It's the LeMay America's Car Museum in Tacoma, Washington. One of the world's truly great automobile collections and one of those must-see bucket list destinations for car people like you and me. If you haven't seen it, I hope you make a trip soon. And if you have seen it, it's probably time to visit again. To learn more about this fantastic museum, go to www.americascarmuseum.org. And while you're there, you can donate to help them keep their engines running. That's www.americascarmuseum.org. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. All right, we're back, Sharon, and I'd love for you to share a story that instigated this passion that you have for cars. You were definitely a car gal for sure. So what was that pivotal moment in your life when you knew that cars were going to play an important part in your career, in your life, and your business? Well, I'll be honest, I came to this a little bit late. I'm not somebody, and that might be sort of my perspective about making sure that we are welcoming to folks who are not necessarily somebody who grew up wrenching on cars with their dads in the garage or mm-hmm. something like this. I, I came to this a little bit. My, my dad was super passionate about cars. He was a rally racer in in Ireland. Really? Uh, Ili- well, like illegal road rallies. Oh, my gosh. Uh, in minis. <laughs> An outlaw. So I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, a bit, a bit. Um, but he, he and my mom... Um, 
immigrated to the U.S. and um, had a tough time financially for quite a few years. So it wasn't like cars were, he was passionate about driving, but it wasn't like cars were really, you know, a huge part of, of my growing up. And we moved from, my husband and I moved to Michigan in 2002, um, and I was just a straight up journalist. And that's when I started covering the auto industry for Dow Jones and the Wall Street Journal. You say here, the woman's at pivotal moment, you knew you were a true automotive enthusiast. There's this thing called, I think called the, the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is like when you don't know much about something, you think... Uh, you think you're an expert. Right. <laughs> so I think I, I think I, and then like the more you get to know about something, the more you realize like, oh, I don't really know this as well as I thought I did. So I think I thought I was an expert, like, well, all the way back, you know, as soon as I started to get to know the industry a little bit. And as soon as I started like showing up at baby showers and weddings and, and bridal showers with my girlfriends and like, they would start turning to me and asking me for questions. And all of a sudden uh, I was this expert. You're an expert. And, yeah. Yeah. And I really started feeling it there. That feeling of being an expert has declined over the years as I actually talk to people like you and talk to people <laughs> on my staff like you know well, actually it's all smoke and it. mirrors here cars and yes. cars, <laughs> yeah cars cars yeah cars yeah it's uh I don't understand what you're saying but the thing you've probably learned with car people and especially your readers is they can sniff out a non-car person really fast they can I uh, but that that attitude though is a little bit I think of the the exclusionary attitude that I'm trying to work well, work I'm against. glad you are because we need to be inclusive we need to welcome people in I, I love sharing my passion with other people as you can tell I do it every day yeah. by talking to people so I'm I guess in a way I'm always trying to convert people and yeah, some people absolutely. don't want to be but some of them go oh I didn't know that and now when you, these new cars that are coming out, like I mentioned, my, my nephew and his wife loving cars all of a sudden, rediscovering cars all of a sudden, it, it could be done. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think you get to that by correcting people on their facts, you know? You're um, right. Yeah. They just get know? annoyed and walk away. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What was your first really special car? Uh, my first really, well, my first car was a 1984 Honda Civic hatchback. Um, and I just, I really loved that car. It was my first sense of freedom and being able to kind of right. just drive and get to where I was going. And I didn't appreciate it as, for what it was really as being, you know, a really kind of chuckable, <laughs> fun <laughs> manual driving car. I just, for me, it was just a set of wheels. Looking back, I think I lucked out because it was, it was a good, Good it was a good car. fun car to drive. Yeah, exactly. So that's my that's my first one. I'm actually considering getting one again. Oh, really? Has there yeah. been one along the way that maybe you really wanted? But, you know, again, as I'm asking this, I'm thinking, okay, I'm talking to Sharon here, who probably gets to drive and review and look at like every cool car that's out in the road. In fact, the picture I've got of you on the show notes page on the Car Show website, I believe you're with a Bentley. Yeah, that's a flying spur. Um, <laughs> oh, just a flying spur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the problem, I think, is that <laughs> yeah. I get to challenge cars all the time. And I think it's... That's not a problem. That's a luxury. <laughs> it is a... Well, but it's a luxury. It's the problem for narrowing it down, right? Oh, like I... Yeah. I Since I, I took over this job in um, of April 2019, and I'm like, well, I really need to have, you know, something cool, like a, a cool car, you know, that's just kind of mine that I can play with and I change my mind on what that car is like every other every day 
that's okay. Every other. <laughs> you know, you're you're in the capper seat getting to play with all these things. So you know that's that's cool. That's why I always ask about your first special car because I have some people that say, well, I haven't bought my first special car yet. It's still coming. I, I want something I can't afford, so I've got to save up for it. Well, let me crawl into your head a little bit here, Sharon. I'm going to be a, a, a psychoanalyst here, I guess, your psychologist. If you woke up tomorrow and you were manifest as a car, now this isn't what you want to be. This is taking your attributes, how you see yourself, and then putting that into a vehicle. What would Sharon Silk Cardi be? But more importantly, why? Oh, uh, yeah. I saw this question on a <laughs> list of things and I started to think about it and didn't really give it a good... It, it always trips people up a little bit, but I love it when people really kind of take a deep dive into their personality and tie yeah. it in. Because you, you're somebody who's been around so many cool vehicles. You've got a lot of hands-on options. A lot of us don't. Now, I've driven lots of cars, but nowhere near probably what you have or been yeah. around that. I guess I've been around them, but not driven them or really looked deeply into them. So I'm really curious how you would answer this. So I think, you know, one of the cars that I keep coming back to buying is I want to buy a a four-door Wrangler. And I think it hits my personality pretty well in that I don't really need to kind of go fast. Um, I like going fast, but I don't necessarily need to go fast. But I do like being able to do things. (laughs) And I like to be like, I like to be competent at things. And I like to be able to do things that like other people necessarily can't. And I think actually, one of the things about being a journalist that I've always loved is being able to go places that other people can't go. And so being able to be in a CEO's office at the top of the tower, you know, spending an hour talking to them about whatever, mm-hmm. or being kind of like the first witness to history of, of different, you know, big events that happen. Like I've always loved having that access. And I think off-roading to me is a little bit of the same thing. It's adventuresome. Yeah. It's adventure. Well, you get to go places where other people are not going, you know, like you literally can climb over boulders and forge through streams and, you know, <laughs> yeah. go places other go. people aren't going. And I love that. I love well, and I like know. the technical challenge of off-roading as well. Well, perfect answer then. I like see that's why that question kind of pulls some different things out. So uh, I'm glad that we went there. Sounds perfect for you, Sharon. Well, we're entering the last lap. It's kind of lightning round. I'm going to fire off some questions. Have you give me some quick blips of that Jeep Wrangler throttle? So here we go. <laughs> What's one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your many successes in life? Well, I don't think this is necessarily a habit, but more of a mindset. I try to just always assume good intentions of somebody that I'm working with or somebody, you know, anybody that I am dealing with. I think it's often, it's often we can sort of assume other people are intentionally being a jerk or leaving us out of something or something. And I just always try to assume that everybody's just as overwhelmed with life as I am. And we're going to get through this. Nobody's excluding me on purpose or whatever. Like I just try to assume, uh, assume good intentions. You know, I love that. I was taught that many, many years ago. And it, I always kind of go back there when I'm having a challenge with somebody is assume good intent. They, They don't mean to be disrespectful or whatever you feel they might be. There might be something else going on. It's kind of that paradigm shift of somebody that's misbehaving and then you realize, like having a little kid in a classroom and they're always misbehaving and then you realize they've got a terrible home life and they need to get that out somehow. You you don't know what's behind it. So I love that concept of assuming good intent. Now, here's a tough one because you've probably done this with many, many people. If you could have a drink or a meal, with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, have a talk with them. Who would it be? Um, you know, I think I'm really 
I've thought about this as well. I, I don't know if you know of the race car driver, Jesse Combs, who passed away last year. Yes, she's been a guest on this show. I do know her. I've met her. I've interviewed her not only on this show, but in person in a forum on a, at a car show down in Costa Mesa. She was part of a large group of women that got to, I got to MC and interview all of them. And, ah, uh, tragic. Yeah, she was somebody that I sort of like viewed from afar in the industry. And I had sort of when I got into car and driver, I was thinking she was on my list of folks that I really wanted to develop a relationship with. I was really surprised at how upset I was and not knowing her, you know, um, when she passed away last year. And so, yeah, when you said living or dead, I thought, you know, this would I I would really I would have liked to have gotten to know her. And I. I tell you, having met her not only through the microphone as I do daily with people, but also more importantly in person and getting to spend a day with her, mm-hmm. incredible person. She had a contagious enthusiasm about life. And I guess in a way, the fact that she passed doing what she loved and trying to break her own record, another record, was really significant to the kind of person she was. And how her death affected so many people because she was living life how so many people want to, but they don't dare to. Right. And she did it every day. I mean, she was just a magnificent person. So I'm glad you brought her up. So many people miss her. And I'm so grateful that uh, I got to record her voice in perpetuity. Uh, You can go back and listen to it on the Carja website. Wonderful, wonderful lady. When it comes to automotive advice, what's the best advice someone else ever offered you? Oh, about like driving in cars? Could be anything about driving in cars, yeah. Uh, honestly, I think it's just that you should put snow tires on your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, you think about this. The surface area between you and the road is so minuscule compared to the volume mass that you're moving, especially in these big SUVs. And I'll tell you, when things get a little, I live where it's wet in the Pacific Northwest. When they get a little bit icy, the first vehicles off the road in the ditch are pickup trucks. Right. Because they think they're driving this big deal with this big tires and this big car, and they've got no traction on the back. And they're the first ones to lose it. So yeah, put the right tires on. And you know, make sure your tires are always topped off. Make sure that you've got good tires and so forth. Absolutely important. Now, how about resources? I always ask about resources. There's so many these days. Of course, we're going to put Car and Driver as a great resource for my listeners out there. But there's another go-to you find yourself going to quite often? Um, well, I would recommend, you know, when you talk about um, opening this up to new folks, um, we did an issue in July, which was the greatest of all times, our GOAT issue. Yes. It's a great primer if you are just getting into the industry and want to know, like, not only, like, what cars do people think are cool, but, like, what, why was this car, you know, really significant? We have an essay that we pulled from one of our old magazines of, that David E. Davis wrote on um, the BMW 2002, which is just, you know, fantastic. And it's just this really nice catalog of of significant cars and why they're significant and why enthusiasts love them um, and i really i really love that issue david e davis there's a oh there's an icon holy cow yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you know the other thing that we're kind of doing that i think is fun that hasn't really gotten a ton of attention during coronavirus like when we all got stuck at home we were trying to figure out ways to either hang out with each other or you know just communicate with the readers a little bit better and we started this youtube series called um window shop with us we set up a challenge every week and 
four or five of our editors go through Craigslist or Auto Trader or, you know, wherever they want to look and they look for like what car they would buy for less than $2,000 or, you know, a pickup truck for $12,000 or whatever. And the conversations are really fun. And it's, um, it's just like hanging out with, it's just like hanging out in the office for me. So yeah, I would recommend if you just, if you want to have something playing in the background, or if you just kind of want to feel like you're hanging out with some good friends, that that's a, that's a, it's on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Okay. So these are all accessible through Car and Driver website and then links to all these things, the July issue, the GOAT issue, and of course your YouTube page, you just go to YouTube Car and Driver, correct? Yep. Yep. Okay, great. Awesome. Now, is there a book that you've read? Uh, I know you guys sometimes review books. I review lots of books, have lots of authors on the show. Is there a great book you would want to share? It doesn't have to be about cars. It could be about life or business. Um, yeah, actually, I think I have two. Um, well, for a car book is um, Engines of Change, which is similar to our GOAT issue. Um, it's by Paul Gracia, who was one of my early mentors in this industry. Um, he passed away last year as well. But it's a, it's that kind of goes deeper than our 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 goat issue did it goes into um 15 cars and how they changed the american auto industry it's a really good book um and then the other book you know we were talking a little bit about the industry changing and the media world changing and i recommend this person this book to like anybody who um has to manage teams of people through change and it's a book called work happy yes (laughs) and it's a, a woman jill geisler yep and it's just about how do you manage a staff and keep people happy? And hopefully I am able to do that <laughs> yes. well. But, you know, I think that in this in this time where, like, I think that people don't, managers sometimes don't recognize that change is an emotional issue for a lot of folks on their staff. Oh, and yeah. um, in order to get everybody on board and, like, get through change, like, you actually need to, like, deal with that emotional aspect of what people are going through and, and help them through that. And that's... Yep. That's one of your jobs. Yeah. Great book. Uh, Those are both great books. So I'll remind our listeners, I'll put links to these and everything else that Sharon has shared today on her very own Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Sharon Cardi, and you'll find her show notes page right there. All right, Sharon, we're up to the checkered flag here. This last question can be a bit of a doozy. You alluded to this earlier about having the ultimate car. Today, I'm going to buy you the ultimate car, the ultimate collector car, something that's fun, not a daily driver. But something you can enjoy in the weekends when you walk out in the garage, you'll take a look at what's sitting there and go, I want that one that Mark bought for me. <laughs> but my listeners know there's a couple rules to this game, as there always are when someone else is supplying the capital. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with or fund your kid's college education or whatever you might do with that money. you got to keep it, which means it's got to tick a lot of boxes. I want you to drive it. No garage queens allowed here at Cars, yeah. No dust collectors. Uh, but it's the only one cool collector car you can have that might make your choice a little more difficult. But what am I buying for Sharon today? So you're buying it? Of course, I'm paying for it. Yeah, whatever. Don't worry about the money. That's not a problem. All right. Well, because I think I'm going to get myself a Wrangler or a Gladiator. I'm not sure which one. Okay. Um, well, that's well, the car let's have speak, something but... more crazy and wild than that. So I think I would go for the Bugatti Veyron. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you're going right to the top. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Be careful what you ask for, Mark. You might get it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you've chosen something absolutely insane. Um, I know, but it's beautiful. It's such well, a, no kidding. Yeah. I think I remember seeing one that was like at the Frankfurt Auto Show that was like this either it was like had ceramic paint on it, I believe. Uh, it was like navy huh? blue and and this like cream color and I just I I've not driven one actually to be honest with you, but is that one 
stuck out. I love the look of that car. It's got these gorgeous side panels. It goes really fast, which you said, I don't need to go fast. But if, you know, if you're buying. Yeah. Why yeah. Why not? Yeah. Order <laughs> the lobster. I'm taking you out to dinner. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. And there's a, a special Ferrari paint that Bugatti put on one of their vehicles. That's this killer blue color that may be but the car you're talking about i'm familiar i've seen pictures of it of course uh and at the quail every year during car week they've bugatti has a wonderful display and they put their latest and greatest kind of crazy car but the verone when it came out i remember being at the jet party during car week and a gentleman was there with his had it parked under the wing of his private jet and just walking up to that thing and you go what on earth but what I think is cool about it is they've somehow figured out how to pull some history out of Bugatti of the old like tank car and the Bugatti emblem and that horseshoe grill and pull it forward into a super hyper car. Yeah. They just did some magnificent things with it. But okay, well, I'm going to need to give you a very like the black card credit card because those things <laughs> suck fuel at like two miles to the gallon or something like that. Somebody told me once if you get in one of those at top speed, I think you run out of gas in 12 minutes or something like that. Really? Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm yeah, not surprised. Yeah. We, well, had the, <laughs> we had a GT500 at our lightning lap and we were ran out of gas after like. Uh, I think it was 20 minutes. So, yeah. 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 Not oh, yeah. You can do that in those. Well, you know, I'm glad you chose something wild and crazy. I, I mean, you got to <laughs> lay your hair down once in a while, right? So, yeah. uh, I, well, I can't. I have no hair, but you do have <laughs> beautiful hair. So, you got to do that. Well, Sharon, you've taken me on an awesome ride. It's going to be more fun in that Bugatti for sure. I've really enjoyed having you on the show. And I want to thank you for sharing uh, your journey. Awesome job you're doing there at Car and Driver with all your colleagues. I enjoy my publication. It comes in the mail. And I like all the cool new things you're doing. And I'm really excited about some of the new new directions you're going to be taking into the new year here. Could you give us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in your own Bugatti Veyron? Um, yeah, just read the magazine, read the website. <laughs> we would love go. to have you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're looking for we're looking for enthusiasts of all sizes, stripes. You know, we're, we're looking for everybody. So we would love to have uh, much more participation. And uh, yeah, just come read. Absolutely. What was that line out of Poltergeist? All are welcome. All are welcome. <laughs> so Not quite as creepy, but yes. <laughs> not, not as creepy, but definitely. The message is the same. I don't know why that popped into my head, but it just it just did. That movie scared the <laughs> heck out of me when I was a little kid. So, Well, you can find everything on Sharon's show notes page again here at Cars. Yeah, I encourage you to, if you don't subscribe, you probably do, but I know all my listeners already know about it. But if you don't, come back and uh, there's a lot of new cool things there. So be a part of Car and driver. You can find everything on Sharon's show notes page. I want to do a shout out to Tom Gibson of Gibson Communication. He's the one that connected me with Sharon today. So thank you, Tom. You bring me a lot of wonderful guests, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, just like Sharon. That's cool. Sharon, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. This is Christmas week. So Merry Christmas to you and your family and everybody listening. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Mark, for having me. And Merry Christmas to you, too. This has been fun. Kevin Buckler is a winning racer and team owner of the Racers Group. He has over 100 professional wins, multiple wins at the 24-hour of Daytona, and a win at Le Mans. Kevin realized the racing world is about the people and founded Adobe Road Winery. He and his team have created a winning combination with 
The Racing Series, four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own with a racing twist. Just like in racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, superb taste, all blended together with a whole lot of fun. There are four carefully crafted blends with race-inspired names. Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. When you purchase all four, you get the entire lineup in a beautifully designed gift box. There's a printed description of the blends inside the box lid, and every bottle is parked in a protective die-cut placeholder. The bottles feature three-dimensional labels, and I promise you'll want to keep them after enjoying these delicious wines. The box is so cool, you'll want to keep it too. The Racing Series is a killer gift for the automotive enthusiasts in your life, and I have a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word, all caps, at checkout, you'll get $10 off any purchase of wine from the Racing Series. Your wine ships promptly and arrives quickly. Use the code CARSYEAH at checkout for $10 off on your purchase today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence, with the Racing Series. Go to adoberoadwines.com and use the code CARSYAT today to get your deal. Cheers! Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!